He's done it. Yeah, what a shot. This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Just Sports. Hello and welcome to Just Sports. And uh, it's my good friend, Mr. Rahul Puri and me right now talking to you guys. Uh, good morning, Rahul. How you, uh, seems like you're safe and sound. You've been marked safe on Facebook. <laughs> I have not been marked safe on Facebook, but I am safe. <laughs> yeah, that's the, this whole marking safe is, is, is quite funny. But yeah, we're all safe. It was quite a bad day for Mumbai, but we are back on the air with you guys on Just Sports. And we have a lot to discuss. Spirit of Mumbai, got, Summer. Spirit of Mumbai. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a little tired of this whole spirit of Mumbai, you know, because people seem to forget that, you know, people don't have a choice. People need to go to work. People have to earn a living. And this whole spirit of Mumbai, is like oh my god it's like yeah we survived despite the government guys we, we survived despite you know not not because of them we, we survived despite them so uh, on that note let's start and let's talk about uh, things that we like to talk about sports and what do we have this time I think Rahul and I are excited about uh, football because it's been a good three weeks of matches so we're going to try and take a look at what's what's going to happen Bangladesh and West Indies the two results that nobody expected Kind of, I think Bangladesh was expected, but still uh, pretty good for them. So let's start. Let's dive in right into cricket. I mean, West Indies, Rahul. I mean, that was a great result. It was. It was an uh, it was an amazing Test match. It was a really really good Test match. And I think you know Michael Atherton came out today uh, and said that it was the greatest upset in Test history. Now. Uh, I, I might go along with that because the West Indies are such a <laughs> poor cricket team and uh, you know for England to have swept them aside on the in the first test match for them to bounce back the way that they did first with the ball and then with the bat truly terrific effort you know it was just it was not about you know England I mean nobody I think expected West Indies to win a test match ever they were so poor well, in England I mean it's 17 years since they've last won a test match in England I mean that's back to Walsh and Ambrose you know even in the West Indies I mean they were just a poor team I mean it was like like we have been we've been discussing about the two-tier system and stuff like that I mean nobody gave the West Indies a chance against any team but they actually went out and showed some spine I mean what was interesting or what was heartening to see was that they were not willing to give up without a fight and Shea Hope and Hope played a brilliant innings I mean he was Shea Hope was absolutely outstanding and then you you just keep your fingers crossed that that that's not a flash in the pan and you hope that that that's something that he can really go and build on because that boy has talent I mean to play that kind of innings all right he was a little lucky in the first innings uh, here and there but to play that kind of innings uh, you know consecutively at Headingley where the ball does swing about where the ball does move I and mean, that's very very impressive but but what I thought was really impressive about the West Indies overall was, you know, they had, they had good periods, they had bad periods, they dropped a number of catches, um, and quite frankly, they, they could have and should have won the game perhaps a little bit more comfortably than they did um, if they hadn't have dropped those catches. But they never let their heads Yeah, they, they stuck they it never, out. You know, they stuck it yeah, out. they never gave up, you know. They, even when sort of uh, Stokes and Moeen Ali were playing really well on, on that fourth day and, and England's... Uh, Lead had gone up to a pretty... Yeah, they're, they're racking up runs in, uh, on, on that fourth day. They, they didn't give up. They kept trying and, and you know... 
yeah, Holder's um, uh, bowling changes were a little bizarre, but still, you know, when they walked out to try and chase those runs, you just felt that they walked out with a sense of purpose. And also, I think, Rahul, the one thing that, you know, people uh, might forget, but I think we should give credit, is to Joe Root, because he did play for victory. I mean, the whole declaration. It wasn't that he was playing for a draw. I mean, he went for the kill. No, and then, but why would you? I mean, why would you play for a draw against this West Indies side? You know, Root probably thought, yeah, we've got 320 odd ahead. That's more than enough. You know, let's put these blokes in and, and, and knock them over for, for 150. I mean, that's what his thinking must have been. But, you know, hats off to first Brathwaite. And, and let's face it, Brathwaite's not the, he's not the best looking cricketer. He's not going to win every, any award awards for 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 style oh, for stylish cricketer yeah but those were two really gritty innings that he played and you know I, I thought that um, those two young boys uh, if they can bed themselves in they could be a real future for West Indies yeah absolutely and I think the next test is going to be crucial it should not just be a flash in the pan yeah no absolutely and something I, that they can build on you know and I, but I, I would like to say that a lot of people are using this to, to basically say that there shouldn't be two tiers in cricket I actually think that this is an example of why two tiers in cricket would work very, very well. Yes, the West Indies can beat England. Yes, Bangladesh can beat Australia. But I think that the importance of two tiers would be more competitive cricket, less games like the game... The uh, one-sided game, yes, in, in like India, Sri Lanka. And, and a hunger in both the West Indies teams and the Bangladesh teams who, in theory, would be in that second division to get up into that first division play better and you know mix it up with the big boys I, I think it's it's really important absolutely I think that actually proves your point Raul that if the West Indies you know probably Sri Lanka right now you know a Pakistan probably a Bangladesh were in one tier you know there would be more competitive games I mean let's not think that this is going to become the norm because I honestly feel England will come really hard in the next test no absolutely absolutely I mean you know I don't think the West Indies success versus Bangladesh's success Bangladesh's success actually is very very consistent they have beaten South Africa they've beaten beaten England and now they've beaten Australia so you know I, I think that Bangladesh is that is not a flash in the pan Bangladesh are becoming quite a good side in their own conditions all right they uh, play on certain wickets they pack their sides with spinners and they you know most importantly they won the toss and they bowled first and they bowled uh, they batted first and they batted halfway decently in that in that first innings and I think that you know whereas the West Indies beating England was a lot about the West Indies Bangladesh beating Australia strangely was a lot, a lot about, about Australia. Australia was a lot about Australia and how poor they are in subcontinent conditions. Yeah, because I think Australia once again showed Raul that they really can't play spin and they don't have a batting order. You no, know? I mean, they, they really don't. I mean, Australia really have a big problem. I mean, if you take out Warner, uh, who played very well in that second innings, and, Smith. And, and you take out Smith, they really have nothing around them. I mean, they really have no batsmen of any consistency around them. And if you take those batsmen, those uh, sort of, you know, one, uh, three, you know, sort of four, five and six and you you put their their overseas records up on a board away from Australia you will see you know they they are averaging what 
a Bangladeshi batsman is is averaging. You know, they, that's to show you that there really isn't that much difference in quality. You know, the, the, the interesting thing that you pointed out, Raul, is exactly that, that right now, Australia is not, is one of their weakest test teams. You no, know, absolutely. I mean, they don't, have, they don't have the bowling, they don't have the batting, they don't have a quality spinner. I mean, they have a good pace attack, but their pace attack, unfortunately, is, you know, swarmed by injuries. And quite frankly, these days, because of the way the pitches are, you can you can take pace attacks out of the equation by doing sort of, you know, uh, slow, low pitches. Australia's problem is, is that their spin attack has got no bite. Yes, Nathan Lyon is a very good spinner. I'm not going to argue with that. But he's an off spinner at the end of the day. He's not a guy that's going to run through sides. And playing Ashton Agar, who hasn't played a test match for four years, quite frankly, is, as far as I'm concerned, that was a really defensive uh, call from Australia. And it's very strange to see Australia making defensive choices. Agar was in the team less for his bowling and more to strengthen the batting lineup. And that's just not the way that Australia Australia have ever played their cricket. They play yeah, cricket right now. I, I mean, I think the absence of Mitchell Stark has hurt them. You know, they don't have the batting. They don't have a middle order. I yeah, mean, they don't there have a middle is order. They, they absolutely don't have a middle order. The middle order is, you know, you knew that when if David Warner had batted for another hour. Australia would have won that game. But the moment that Warner got out, you knew that Bangladesh were going to run through that middle order. They were just yeah, because, going I mean, to take the, them The moment Warner got out, it took about 10 minutes for Smith to get out. And yeah, after that, yeah, it was I like a procession. ran through that middle order. And it's so much so that the only the only sort of um, effort at the end came from Pat Cummins with the bat. Yeah, so it's... And Bangladesh has become pretty strong at home. They're, They're very good side at home. They, they know how to win in those conditions, both in tests as well as in one day games. So, yeah, good for Bangladesh, good for West Indies. Let's see how the next tests uh, pan out. Moving on from cricket to our favourite topic, football. Around three games have been done. I mean, I think some kind of indication on where the season is going to go. Yeah, I suppose early days. Um, I mean, come on, Chelsea. Chelsea seem to be fine. Chelsea seem to have found their rhythm. Early, yeah, no, absolutely early days. But you know, I think alarm bells are ringing. Arsenal, uh, you know, find themselves in a position, quite frankly, that we all could have predicted at the end of last season. I mean, we all sure. knew that after Arsene Wenger won that FA Cup against Chelsea, he should have gone. Now you're in a situation, and I wrote something about it after the Liverpool-Arsenal game, that Arsenal seemed to be in the position that Liverpool were in with Brendan Rodgers after 2015, where everybody knew that Rodgers should have gone at the end of the season. Instead, he held on, he stuck on, and now here we are with three games into the season, and Arsenal are in absolute crisis. They are in complete crisis and you always knew that Arsenal were one defeat away from a crisis and this was not a defeat Raul this was humiliation and you know I think that the point that everybody tried to make after the game and I think you saw the game uh, for sure and um, you know I saw the game Arsenal did not turn up and it's almost like they didn't want to play I mean like it was the same kind of thing that Jose Mourinho faced at Chelsea where the players are just refusing to play for the manager well yeah absolutely but look at the, ma the, the manager himself what kind of favours does he do himself I mean you've gone out and bought Lacazette for 52 million he starts on the bench you go out and buy Koselnic he starts on the bench you've got a bunch of players Ozil uh, Sanchez and Oxley chamberlain all three of them are out of contract at the end of the summer and you play all three of them so you know I mean I do get the point that Wenger is let down by his players but he does himself no favours at all in the side that he picked and you know 
I think that Arsenal are in real trouble, in real, real concern about them dropping out of that top six. The other team that I think have got real concerns about them that you can see is Tottenham. I mean, Tottenham um, now have played two games, yeah. two games at home. They've drawn one against Burnley. They've lost one against Chelsea. That stadium, that Wembley stadium is going He's to be He's not doing them any favours, Raul. I mean, and, and I, I was about to just make that point right now that, you know, after the first three games, it seems like that Spurs and Arsenal are off their base and Spurs will have a problem winning their games at Wembley and that whole home advantage that they had you know, is not going to work for them at Wembley. And that's going to be a big concern for, for Spurs. That's got to be a big worry for Spurs fans because, you know, last year they were so good at White Hart Lane. They were almost... Yeah, they won almost, pretty much all their games They were almost unbeatable at White Hart Lane. Four points they dropped at home all season. And now, you know, they just don't look like... They, feel, they, they don't look like they're at home. I think the other problem is Wembley's really, really a big pitch. And I don't think... It's a big pitch, yeah. And they're not, they're not used to playing on a big pitch. I don't think they're a, they're a big pitch team. I don't, they, they don't have wingers. Um, they play mostly through the middle, uh, through Ericsson and Deli Alley. And I don't think that the, the size of the pitch does the kind of game that Pochettino wants to play. I don't think it does him any favours at all. So yeah, I think... Pretty much. And I think the, the two teams that have seemed to pick up the pace, you know, I mean, it was heartening to see Chelsea come back. I mean, after the, the loss against Burnley. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. I, you know, Chelsea, I think, played... Re- I, I think Chelsea have got back. They went... The game against Everton was Chelsea getting back into a groove. You know, they weren't brilliant. They weren't outstanding. They were just about good enough. And I, I think they were helped a lot by the fact that Everton were shit. They were absolutely rubbish. Yeah, but Chelsea seems to have found some kind of a pattern and a rhythm, you know. They, they, they've gone Conte, back. And Conte seems to have got them together. And, and, and by putting David Lewis in the midfield and stuff, the guy's got something in him, Raul. I mean, he's, he's putting... Fitted them, they fitted themselves nicely back into a groove. And remember, Hazard is still missing. Um, when he comes back, that Chelsea side will look much better. Absolutely. And I think the one team that's still not getting it together is City. You yeah, know, City are a worry, aren't they? They're, they're, they're a little concerned. But I, I think that a lot will be revealed about Manchester City uh, when Liverpool go there on, on the ninth. A lot will be revealed about what Pep has learnt uh, and, and what he hasn't learnt. A, a lot will be revealed. Manchester City, I think, are... I think the Liverpool game, Rahul, will actually test the defence because right now, I mean, and I'm saying it being a United fan, Liverpool up front are a dream. I mean, they're so quick. I think, but I think, you know, the, the Arsenal game and the City game of the top six, those are two teams that really, really play into Liverpool's hands. So what I want to see if if Pep manages to figure out yeah, this is how Liverpool play and this is how I avoid them playing like that. Because I think if, if City set up the way that, that Guardiola likes to play, I can see Liverpool going there and beating them. Yeah, so it would be uh, it, that would be fun. And I mean, like I said, City has not hit the ground running. They've been struggling. The back four is still struggling. I mean, it was the last gasp winner that, you know, Sterling scored. So it's still out there. And, and, and Liverpool, you know, seems to have figured out that let's just go and score goals, goals, goals. Because... They 
their defense will always be weak and shaky. Yeah, the defense is the defense is a concern. I mean, ha- having said that, I think it's it's got a lot it's got a lot better. But I I don't think that Liverpool will ever be a team that that will be sort of you know 35, 40 goals conceded a season. They're probably going to be closer to the 50 goal mark uh, a season. But I really don't think that that's something to worry about. That's the way the Klopp plays, and 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 if Klopp uh, can get 15 odd goals out of that front three, you know the the, the side's going to be up and running. What was really heartening, I think, about the Arsenal game for Liverpool was just how well that midfield played. Henderson, Wijnaldum and Emre Chan, I thought they were outstanding against Arsenal and they absolutely steamrolled that Arsenal midfield. And I think that if if they go to City and I, you know, Coutinho, no Coutinho, I can very, I can very much see that, that that will be the midfield that starts again against City. And if they win their battles against City, I think Liverpool will roll them. Yeah, pretty much. And, and the one thing that seems to have hit the ground running and got everything correct is... Manchester United, yes. No, I mean, no, no, no we, we, we talked about it. it. I didn't say it. No, we talked about it the other... We, we talked about it the last week as well. I think that, you know, again... Yeah, they've got pretty much... I mean, Mourinho has got a side. They've hit the ground running. If he can keep the dressing room in his control, this could be his season. Yeah, but I think Mourinho also seems to be... Mellowed down. Yeah, a little calmer this season. Uh, he's put yeah. away that really dodgy tracksuit. He's back in a suit. You know, he's, uh, I think, feeling a little bit better about himself. And, you know, the, the performance against Leicester was a typical Mourinho performance, you know. Uh, they battered Leicester for sort of 70 minutes. Uh, where Leicester had gone to basically shut up shop and, and not play. They battered them for 70 minutes. They didn't get a goal. They got a goal on the 70th minute and then they got another goal just uh, like that. It was a typical Mourinho team performance. And, you know, if you're a Manchester United fan, you've, you've got to be happy about that. Pretty much. And now we have the international break and we have the transfer window that's going to shut in a couple of hours. Uh, so we'll have lots to discuss in our next podcast about the completed transfers and the non-completed transfers, Raul. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, they, I, I expect today to be quite crazy. Um, there will yeah, be, it will be quite, it will be quite crazy. It will really know, be quite uh, crazy. It, yeah, so all those guys who, if the podcast is up on time and uh, you want to know what's happening in the transfer windows, you can just listen to Rahul Puri's Twitter feed. He will be at it. I can assure you that. He will be at it. Yes. Yes, so that's all we have time for. We, we had quite a long podcast this week and uh, we had lots to talk about. And uh, we'll be back again next week to talk about, like I said, uh, the international break. We'll have more cricket and we'll have the transfers completed uh, to talk about. So thank you very much, Mr. Puri. I shall see you again next week. Till then, stay safe. If it doesn't rain, if it rains, also stay safe. And um, No, we, 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 I will certainly try. I've got my boat on standby, so yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, Rahul, and I shall see you soon. Thanks, Omar. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.